So this week, we are preparing for Thanksgiving, the most important meal in American culture. Uh, that meal, of course, is based on the story that we tell about the pilgrims and the First Nations people coming together and having this meal of thanks, and that's a story that we were told in school, right? And certainly that story didn't actually happen, but the, the power of myths is not that they necessarily happened historically or that they happened the way we tell the story, but it's that they can create meaning for us. And Thanksgiving is an incredibly meaningful day. It's a a day of remembering people, that the the memories of those that uh, we loved who perhaps are no longer with us, those memories are especially present on days like Thanksgiving. It's about the familiar sights and smells and tastes. It's the, the smell of the turkey baking in the oven or in the deep fryer, whatever your tradition is. It's mashed potatoes and stuffing and cranberry sauce and all of that wonderful food. And then after dinner, it's about that wonderful assortment of pies, right? Apple pie, pumpkin pie, and my favorite, pecan pie. <laughs> it's about families getting together. It's, for some of us, this may be the first time that we're getting together with our extended families since the, the p- pandemic began. Or uh, it's about watching football, right? It's a tradition here in Detroit. The Lions play every single year on Thanksgiving. I can't cheer for the Lions this year because they're playing my team, the Bears, but I will say you at least have a chance of getting that first win because my team is not good at all. I'm a, well, you don't hold your breath. <laughs> um, but ultimately, Thanksgiving is about what its name says it is. It's about giving thanks. Now, I have to be honest this is the part of Thanksgiving that I have always struggled with the most, the, the gratitude part. I'm really good at the eating part, but the gratitude part does not come naturally to me. My least favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner is when the table's all set, the turkey's carved, we're ready to start serving the food, and someone inevitably says, before we eat, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. Maybe that makes me a curmudgeon, I don't know, or Maybe I'm just hungry, but, but gratitude is not something that comes naturally to me. I have struggled with gratitude throughout most of my life. I think part of that is sort of with these cultural ideas of what gratitude is all about. I'm not always sure what we're doing when we give thanks. That you, maybe you saw my sermon title, Hashtag Blessed. Yeah, that's a, something that, that's a reminder that you hired a millennial pastor. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag blessed is something you'll find on social media that people will tag their posts in so that others can find it. And sometimes it's tagged with people being thankful to God for things, but other times it's people putting that hashtag blessed when they get a brand new car or the new outfit they've been saving up for. It's these sort of material possessions, and that's what people consider uh, to be a blessing. And we heard from Norm last week that Jesus really kind of flips that understanding of what blessing is on its head. You know, we're in that time of year where those Lexus commercials will run. You know what I'm talking about? Where the, where the spouse, the husband or wife buys a brand new Lexus and wraps it in a bow and they come out on Christmas morning and it, the snow is like glistening and sparkling uh, in a way that snow I don't think ever does. And, and there's a brand new Lexus on the driveway. Not that I'm opposed to having a Lexus, but that's sort of the idea of, of gratitude, being thankful for these material possessions. And, and sometimes I think of gratitude as sort of this sort of self-helpy kind of thing, that uh, these thankfulness journals that I can write down all the things that I have in my life and I can make myself feel better. It may sound kind of cynical, but it's honest. 
how I have often thought of gratitude throughout most of my life is that it's people who already have everything they could ever want or need, and certainly I could include myself in that category, talking about all the stuff that they have when so many in the world have so much lack. So is it just wealthy people celebrating the stuff they have while others suffer and don't have? But then, of course, I've had these experiences in my life that have helped me to reorient and reframe what gratitude is all about. When I was in seminary, when I was in Philadelphia as a seminary intern, uh, I was doing one of my supervisory sessions with the pastor who was in charge of me, and I was complaining about something, as I sometimes do, and he looked at me and he said, how do you practice gratitude? And I was sort of snarky in my response. I said, I don't even know what that is. He said, well, you're going to go and you're going to have a meeting with our building supervisor, and he's going to tell you what he understands gratitude to be. So I went and met with the building supervisor, and uh, he's a recovering addict. And he said to me, you know what gratitude is to me? He said, gratitude to me is knowing that today I am clean and sober, that today I will not use. He said, I can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, but every day I have that day in front of me, and I know it's another day clean and sober, and for that, I am grateful. And then there was the experience I had when Axel was born. Uh, Axel had a little bit of pneumonia when he was born, uh, and so because of where we lived in Missouri, uh, the closest NICU, the closest neonatal intensive care unit was 90, 90 miles away. Um, and so that meant that my two or three day old son had to be transported by ambulance down to the hospital. Um, that was one of the most difficult experiences of my life, watching my son, who I already had this immense amount of love for, uh, being transported by ambulance. So uh, Heather and I, we, uh, we went home, we took a quick shower, packed a bag real quick, and then we headed down to the hospital where we planned on spending the time with Axel while he uh, received this round of antibiotics. And uh, we were lucky enough to get a room in the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Ronald McDonald House is, it's a place where parents can stay while their children are in the hospital. So um, that was kind of a blessing in and of itself because if we didn't get that room, we would have had to go to a hotel. The hospital would have paid for it, but every morning we would have check out and check back in. But with the Ronald McDonald House, we could just stay there. So Heather, would, uh, Heather and I would spend most of the day at Axel's bedside at night after a certain hour only, um, only one parent was allowed to stay, so Heather would stay, and I'd go back to the Ronald McDonald House, Ronald McDonald House and I would s- sleep. I was laying in bed one night during that whole process, and I was uh, sort of resentful and sort of angry that this was my entry into fatherhood. Uh, why couldn't I have just gone home with my son like I had planned on, like Heather and I had planned on, and instead I'm sitting here in the Ronald McDonald House while he gets this round of antibiotics? And as I'm sort of stewing on these emotions, this flood of gratitude washes over me. And if you're, as someone who struggled with gratitude most of his life, that's kind of a weird place to have that experience of gratitude. Uh, but there's this gratitude washing over me. Gratitude that I, my son is in, here in the world, that gratitude that he has uh, these nurses who are taking care of him. If you've never met a NICU nurse, they are like literally angels. They are just wonderful people. So he had this great group, great group of people taking care of him. Gratitude for the prayers that others were offering, the concern that others were expressing. Gratitude even when things were difficult, even when things were hard. In the last congregation I served in Missouri, we had this, uh, 
this pillar member of the, of the community uh, who could no longer attend church. And, and so he lived with his, uh, his wife had a late stage dementia by the time that I knew her. So he lived with her in an assisted living facility. And, and he really uh, devoted his entire existence to caring for her in big ways, you know, helping her get to bed, helping her use the restroom, uh, these big ways, and also in these small ways. Like I would go and visit him and he would say, well, at breakfast this morning, they gave me a little bit more orange juice in my cup, so I switched cups to make sure that she had enough. Like he devoted his entire life to, to caring for his spouse. And by the time she passed away, they had been married for 73 years an entire lifetime with somebody. And so, of course, when, uh, when she passed away, he had this experience of grief that I, you know, as his pastor, had to help walk through him with. And, and in those moments, I would remind him of something that he would say to me all the time. He would say that I'm not lucky, but I'm blessed. And it, it took me a little bit longer to fully understand that statement, probably than it should have, because I kind of looked at it cynically at first, like, well, how nice for you that you have this relationship and other relationships struggle or fall apart. I sort of looked at it cynically. But as I walked through him in this process of grief, I started to see that here's a man who's thanking God for the love and the friendship that he had with this woman for 73 years. And he would say to me sometimes, he would say, you know, what I'd say to God, why did I get all of this? Why was I the one who, who... had all of this. And I would say to him in those moments, sometimes in the face of God's goodness, there is no explanation. And all we have to say is thank you. And maybe I was preaching to myself in that moment as a pastor theologian who's always looking for some explanation to things. And all you can do is step back and say, thank you. And then finally, there was the time when I was at the at Princeton Seminary when I was in chapel. I would make a point of going to chapel on Fridays because that was the day where communion was uh, served. And, and so I went on this one Friday, and normally when I, when I come to the Lord's table, I'm trying to think about one or, or, or two things, two things that are meaningful to me because I've always found communion to be a meaningful experience, a meaningful way of, of connecting with God. Uh, the church that I grew up in celebrated weekly communion. So I love that we have this service where we get to, to do that weekly. So when I go to the Lord's table, one of the things I try to think about is that it is not just a, a theological or philosophical statement about how everybody is welcome, but literally everybody gets to come to the table. That doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, your socioeconomic class, if you're gay or straight or black or white, everybody gets to come to the table. I try to reflect on that a lot when I come to the Lord's table. I also try to reflect on the fact that as we come to the table, it's also a summons to go out into the world. That just as we are fed, uh, we are too are to go in to feed a hungry world. And so on this one particular Friday, I was... Uh, I went up, I received the elements, I went back to my pew, and I was sort of trying to strain myself to reflect on these two things. But then I had another experience, and maybe it was because now thank we all our God is, was playing in the background, but this, another wave of gratitude flooded over me. And it, it said to me that you can just be thankful that you got to go to the table, that you got to receive the bread and the cup. Sounds strange for someone who grew up celebrating communion every week for that to be kind of the first experience of gratitude in coming to the Lord's table. 
All of these things have helped to reframe my understanding of what gratitude is. And if you ask me now, what is gratitude? You know, I would say that it's a, an addict who is grateful for another day, clean and sober. I would, I would say it's, it's a, a sense of peace and trust when things are hard. It's a, it's a widower husband giving thanks to God for the life of love and friendship with his spouse. I would, I would say that gratitude is bread broken and cup poured out. And it's that experience of the Lord's Supper that I want to focus on uh, here this morning. As we prepare ourselves for the, the most important meal in American culture this week, I want to focus on the most important meal that we have in uh, the Christian tradition. We call it the Lord's Supper, we call it communion, we call it the Eucharist. It all means the same thing. But the word Eucharist, I think, is especially interesting because it literally means thanksgiving. That this is the church's thanksgiving meal. Now, of course, initially, I read the story for us when Jesus institutes what we know as the Lord's Supper. It, uh, initially, it wasn't that. It was a, a Passover meal, a Jewish meal of celebrating God's liberative and redemptive acts. That just as God freed uh, our ancestors in faith from enslavement in Egypt, uh, the people would gather together and they would give thanks to God for those actions but then they would also anticipate the goodness of God, the liberation of God would then flood into their world and into their time and place. And I've often wondered what it was like in those days to celebrate Passover when you could look out your window and you could see a Roman soldier walking through your city streets. That even when the world does not look the way that you desire it to, the way that you believe God calls the world to look, that there is still this opportunity for gratitude and for thanksgiving. And of course, Jesus institutes this meal when uh, he knows that the mob is assembling, when he knows the mob is coming to get him, and yet he stops and says, Take time to reflect on what I'm about to do for you. Take time to give thanks for the, the grace that is about to flood into the world through my life, through my death and my resurrection. The theologian Karl Barth says that gratitude follows grace the way that thunder follows lightning. But Jesus says that, that this, this gratitude is also a gift of receiving because he says to us that at the table he is giving us his body, and his blood. Now, if you stop to think about that for more than a second, it's a little strange, right? If you kind of decondition yourself from growing up in the church and hearing those words consistently, that's a little bit strange, right, to think that we're taking the body and the blood of Jesus. The, uh, in the early church, the, the outsiders thought that the, church, the Christians were cannibals because of what they were doing. We had this, uh, this young girl in my last congregation in Missouri who was precocious and always especially quotable. And uh, you kind of know where this is going. So, so she, we, were, we were celebrating communion one day, and uh, you know, I was on one side, and the, the person with the chalice was on the other side, and she comes forward, uh, she takes the, I give her the bread, and then she comes to the cup, and the person with the cup says, this is the, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. And she says, this is the blood of God, I feel like a vampire. <laughs> I told her Catholic mother, her formerly Catholic mother, that she was aghast. <laughs> um, 
we as Presbyterians don't believe the bread and the cup change into anything different, that there's still the bread and the cup. But in those ordinary, everyday things, we believe that Christ is present to us, that he is offering us the gift of himself, that Christ is present through everyday, ordinary things. Uh, when Heather was in nursing school when we were first dating, uh, I think it was Ash Wednesday, uh, she, had this conver- she saw a nun with the ashes on her forehead and uh, she said to the nun, oh, I haven't had a chance to go get my ashes. I want to go get my ashes and I want to go take communion. And the, the nun said to her, I know you're a Protestant because a Catholic would never say take communion. I see the former Catholics shaking their head, yes. We would never say take communion. We would say that we are receiving communion. And that conversation that I wasn't part of, that I heard secondhand, has really shaped my understanding of what happens when we come to the table. That communion is not something that we take, but it is a gift that is offered to us. We don't have communion, we celebrate communion, because we are celebrating the goodness of God that is offered to each and every one of us. The goodness of God that comes to us in ordinary, everyday things. That as we come to the table and as we receive Christ through these ordinary things, it prepares us and helps us to see Christ present in our ordinary, everyday lives. It is a Thanksgiving meal that helps, to, helps us to see the goodness of God, to have gratitude in all areas of our lives. You know, communion has helped me to start to experience gratitude in my life. As someone who has struggled with it, it hasn't come naturally to me. It's opened me up more and more to those experiences of gratitude. And one of those was this past week. I was uh, sort of looking out my window in my office, and I realized that tomorrow I was here one year ago preaching in that pulpit as the candidate from the PNC. And I was more nervous than I had ever been in a long time, I should say, And yet we're here a year later, and for that I am grateful. I am grateful for the ministry that we have here together, grateful for each and every one of you, that as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, as we get ready to eat turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and pecan pie or whatever your choice is, remember too, bread that is broken and cup that is poured out, that our lives are always the arena for God's goodness to flow into, And it comes to us through everyday, ordinary things. So before you eat, what are you thankful for? Thanks be to God. Amen.